we say good morning to Greg Tepper. Greg, good morning. How are you, buddy? Uh, good morning. Uh, I think I've recovered from last week. <laughs> I mean, you can't. What you can't do. I don't think it's fair uh, for them to throw National Signing Day and UIL realignment back to back. That seems excessive, especially in what's supposed to be ostensibly the off season. Greg, we it was a um, it was an unusual realignment day, wasn't it? Yeah, I would say so. You know, first and foremost, it, it, it a lot of it had to go virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, not because of uh, not because of, of of the pandemic, but but largely because of big weather. Because there was, uh, you know, most of for those who don't know, on UIL realignment day, uh, they're released at nine a.m. and a lot of coaches uh, from particular areas get all get together. There's big meetings in uh, Central Texas and in Austin. Uh, there's big uh, meetings in the Rio Grande Valley, which still happens because they were just fine. Uh, but then there's another, uh, perhaps the biggest one is in Birdsville in the DFW Metroplex. Uh, but with big weather, the coaches were not able to get together. So kind of everybody found out online. Um, but then, you know, when the alignments did come out, it was a little bit of a, of a strange alignment in the sense that I think the overall takeaway is that it was mostly chalky. It was mostly the same. There weren't all that many little surprises except where it wasn't chalky, in which case the UIL went crazy. And they made some huge shifts that really changed things. The way that Matt Sepp, our our insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, put it, was that there were no boring changes. They were all uh, either everything stayed the same or it totally shifted the balance of power in particular classifications, particular brackets, uh, things like that. So it it was a strange uh, alignment and 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 uh, one that I think is going to be remembered as such, not only because of the the fact that we weren't able to get together because of the weather, uh, but also because of of just the the nature of this particular alignment. Let's Great. start. I'm sorry, Ward. Let's start with District 11 in 3A. Uh, do you think the UIL looks and goes, yeah, let's let's do it here? Uh, this is, I mean, this is a new. You know, District of Doom, if you will. I mean, when you start looking at this thing. Yeah, I don't think there's really any doubt about it. When you're talking about an already strong district, uh, you know, remember we're talking about a district that 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 already featured a team like Lorena, the defending 3A Division One state champs. It already featured Little River Academy, which is an 11-win team from a year ago. It already featured uh, teams that were, uh, you know, in the Battle of the Bell, right? Cameron Yale, Rockdale. McGregor's been capable of great years. Troy had a down year, but we know what they're capable of. It already had that. And they said, well, you know what? Why don't we add in the defending 3A Division II state champs in Franklin? Um, now, to your, to your question, I think that uh, the UIL does say that they do this blind, that they go in there and these are just uh, – these are nameless, you know, tax on a, on, a, uh, on, a, on a map. They have admitted that there is something to be considered about competitive – uh, they they had some some particular phrase, but but they're, they're, that there need to be a little competitive balance or things like that. The one thing I'll say about this particular instance, with Franklin joining this district with Lorena and and Little River Academy, Cameron, you know, et cetera, is that if you take a look at three A Division One and where all these teams are, there weren't a whole lot of other places for Franklin to go. They're kind of now by moving up to three A Division One. They're in the kind of the north part of the Brass Valley. They are really a bit on an, on an island. There's not a whole lot of places for them to go. And so as a result, it actually does make, I think, a, a lot of geographic sense to lump them in there. This is something that we thought was a possibility 
Uh, and, and the fact that they came true, I don't think is necessarily a shocker. That said, whenever you see, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to need a district game between the two defending 3A state champions, it's certainly a bit shocking. What was the biggest eye-popping moment for Greg Tepper in this realignment? Yeah, the biggest eye-popping moment for me would have been uh, whenever I, I opened up 2A and, and I saw that kind of, kind of for what appears to be no real reason other than to just light a fire and see what happens is that they put Refurio and China in the same district. Um, down there in, uh, in 15-2A Division One. you may remember they've long been in the same region, uh, but now they just decided to, to lump them together. That was the por- part where I said, whoa, uh, that's, that's certainly, go- that's certainly going to, to turn, you know, raise some eyebrows. The second place that I went uh, was in 5A Division One uh, because if there is, for all we talk about a, a, a relatively chalky realignment, this is where five edition one is where things went a little bit crazy town banana pants and they, they, they changed some things up, particularly bringing obviously with Alito on the way up, uh, you know, the alignment for Alito, there were a lot of different places that they could have gone. We thought that there was a, an outside possibility. They get sent West to like Lubbock and Amarillo, like Abilene did. Uh, that didn't come to pass. The thing that nobody had on their bingo card was for them to get in a district with Den Ryan, which was, was certainly shocking. The other one that, that really jumped out at me that was, that was a, a, a shocking one that may be flying under people's radar is that they moved uh, Carthage in, in uh, 4A Division Two. of course, a team that needs no introduction. Uh, they moved them from District 10 to District 8. And, and perhaps if you're, if you're not familiar with realignment, uh, you're thinking, okay, what's the big deal? They, they changed the number of their district. That is as massive a shift as you can possibly give in the sense that uh, they are flipping sides of the bracket. They're going from Region 3, District 10 would be in Region 3, over to Region 2. District 8 is in Region 2. So that means they're going from, if you're facing a, 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 a playoff bracket, they're going from the right side of the bracket to the left side of the bracket. To put it another way, imagine if they moved the Kansas City Chiefs to the NFC. Like That's, that's basically what happens, is that they took – a major powerhouse, a team that is uh, every single year has state championship, uh, you know, has a chance to win a state championship, and they move them to the other side of the league. That is a huge shift that uh, that really, once I kind of digested it, uh, really caught my eye. Tep, I know for me, one district in our area that caught my attention was uh, District 8, 2A, D1. And when you look at that, you got Bosqueville, Crawford. You throw in Marlin, who defeated both of those guys last year, and a Rosebud Lot team who's coming off a playoff run. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on this district? And kind of capped off with the job that Coach Torres did at um, Marlin in year one and what expected going forward. Yeah, I mean, let, let's start there with, with what Coach Torres is doing there with, at Marlin. I mean, they are one of the fast-rising, up-and-coming programs, not just in the state of Texas, but I would say, you know, but, but, but at any classification. I mean, they have been absolutely spectacular. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing about Marlin in this particular um, alignment was that we thought that there was going to be a chance that they shifted over to Region 4. We thought there was a chance because of where they are kind of in that – whenever you're in Central Texas uh, at the small school level, you're kind of at the mercy of the UIL because they can – you're kind of a a wild card uh, in the sense that they can kind of put you wherever they want. Um, We thought there was an outside chance that they get sent to Region 4, which would be Refurio, Shiner, Mason. I mean, you talk about a region of doom becoming even tougher. Well, they didn't. They ended up landing in District 8, uh, you know, staying in Region 2, uh, but they did shift over. And that small shift over to District 8 is, uh, is massive because 
to now get into a district uh, with Crawford, I think, is is pretty remarkable. You mentioned Rose, but Lot, a program I think is on the rise uh, as well. Uh, this is uh, this is pretty shocking. I, I thought, you know, when you add those in with 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 Bosqueville as well, uh, a program that that is con, uh, con, you know pretty much every year a contender. Um, I mean, my initial read on on District Eight. 2A Division One, and you'll have to forgive me. I, I don't have to put out a magazine for at least four months now, so <laughs> so don't hold me to this. My initial read is that there's five playoff spots for, or four, uh, five playoff teams for four playoff spots. There's going to be a good team left out of the playoffs, at least at least one, and that's that's if some of the teams that maybe struggled uh, last year, like if a team like uh, you know, I don't know, if a team like Riesel isn't able to put it to that, to, is is able to put it together, then suddenly that's gonna that's gonna add up. I mean, you've got a lot of really quality teams in eight two a division one that are somebody's gonna get left out, and and that is the mark of a really deep and tough district. Speaking of five teams for four spots, but uh, man, oh man, it's gonna be competitive every week, and that's four uh, a division one district five with. With China, Stephenville, La Vega, and Alvarado, Waxahachie Life. Yeah, you know, speaking of uh, taking two state champions and putting them in the same district, is the same thing for it. Uh, you know, China Spring on the way up uh, from Florida Division Two, they decide to lump them in. Hey, you know what? Why don't we just throw them in with Waco, La Vega? Which I don't think is a surprise. You know, you look at geographically, that that makes a lot of sense with China Spring and La Vega. What really was a bit of a surprise was that they threw them out west with Stephenville. Stephenville is one of those real typical kind of uh, kind of edge case programs in, in, in alignments just because of where they are. I know that, you know, we as, as, as football fans know where they are and, and stuff like that, but, but they really are, as far as 4A Division One programs are concerned, are concerned, they really are kind of out there on an island. And, and so there was a chance they could go west. There was a chance they could go kind of more north to the DFW Metroplex, uh, or they get sent kind of southeast uh, to uh, central Texas. And so now you've got two defending champs and a program that is continually playing for state championships in Waco, La Vega, all in the same district. And by the way, Alvarado's nothing to turn your own nose up at either, and Wachachi <laughs> Life's had their moments as well. So yeah, what, what I, the other thing that's interesting, I would say that you know, and and, and all these coaches, you know, Don Hyde and, and Sterling Doty, uh, you know, they they're really, you know, they, they they they'll all say the right things. But the other thing to keep an eye on there is that they have a um, that, that that with five team in a five team district, that means you've got to find six non district games. And good luck. I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's not a ton of teams lining up to play <laughs> Stephenville and China Spring. La Vega, La Vega does this every year when they're in like an 18 district. They have t- time. They have difficulty finding like set three uh, non-district games. So that's going to be that's a, certainly a big challenge uh, that that comes about uh, whenever the alignments are posted. In District 11, the original District of Doom with Cedar Hill and DeSoto and Duncanville in there. How much more competitive did it get by getting Legacy, Lake Ridge, and, and Mansfield all back in that district like it used to be, oh, six or seven years ago? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting uh, what they were what they did here because they basically took a, a district that was you know that that kind of Central Texas DFW kind of uh, hybrid, and they said, nope, this is a DFW district. That that's what we're doing. Um, and so they, they add in those programs, uh, you know, they, they drop uh, midway and then they add in the, the Mansfield programs uh, to, to add them in there and they add in Dallas Skyline. Um, this is a perfect example of uh, the kind of district where the core of it didn't really change. With all due respect to Midway, 
the core of it was always going to be Duncanville, DeSoto, Cedar Hill, the, the, those teams along I-30. Those were always going to be uh, the, the real the real power nexus, of, or I-20 rather. Those were really going to be the power nexus of that district. They go in and they add in uh, Dallas Skyline. They needed a place to put that Dallas ISD program. They end up putting them in there. Uh, and then they add in the Mansfield schools. I thought in a lot of ways that was that was a little interesting and, and, and maybe signals to the UIL that, that I think that they didn't – I don't know if they, they loved those kind of cross-regionals uh, districts, especially when you're dealing with major metro areas like DFW. You know, one of the things that I think is, is interesting because there's all – again, to get back to Central Texas, because of where they are – they are, they're always going to be kind of a, 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 unless you get down the small school ranks where there's a ton of those, the, uh, the smaller schools with the big schools, there's always going to be kind of the teams that are, are moving in and moving out and, and, and teams, there's going to be some cross regional aspect to it just because there's not enough teams uh, for them to go and say, you know what, we're going to base the district in central Texas. We're not going to make them kind of travelers. I think is, is telling uh, to what they wanted to accomplish with this alignment. You know, the fact that, uh, like a small example, and this is a different district, but District 12, 6A, uh, they, they took Hutto and they sent them north, right? Uh, they, they sent them north to uh, uh, to, to play the, I mean, Houston, basically an Austin area team, Pflugerville Weiss, you know, an Austin area team, going up to play Killeen Harker Heights, play Temple, play Midway. Um, I think that they, they, they said, you know what, the last couple of years, uh, Midway has been, uh, you know, a visitor to it, basically playing playing road games in a lot of ways, and play a visitor in a DFW district. Now they kind of have a district with Temple and, and and those teams to call their own. They can they can kind of sit at home more often than not, uh, as opposed to uh, to going on the road. So I thought that was a little bit interesting, and, and I don't know if they planned that that way, but it, 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 after a little bit of uh, consideration, I wonder if they said. Uh, that we want to base this district in Central Texas instead of kind of sending these Central Texas teams out to be outliers in different districts. I kind of tying that together. I know one of the things I always look for are the schools that are moving up or down in a classification. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on the, all the, the clean schools for the vast majority dropping down to 5A? And then that gives Waco High, who has really struggled at 6A, an opportunity to come back down and get reunited uh, with some old rivals. Yeah, I think that this is a real big win for for every program involved. You know, when you take a look at a program like Shoemaker, uh, who I think is a program to keep an eye on, I think they're a program that I think is is on the rise. Uh, You know, them dropping down from 6A to 5A Division One, they're going to be immediately more. um, They're going to be immediately more um, competitive. They're going to have programs. They're going to be there now. And here's the other thing about this. Uh, you know, they get dumped into a district with, uh, you know, look, Red Oak and, 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 and Midlothian and, and new program in Lake Belton, right? Cleaver and Granbury. Uh, for those programs, that's a good district draw, I think, for Colleen. I think that they were able – the Colleen schools, I think they're able to compete. I think same thing for Waco High. I think they can kind of get their feet underneath them uh, maybe a little bit more than, than they otherwise have been. So I think, I think for them – that's all. That's all good news is is for for that concern, especially Waco. I think that they they are pleased as punch to be getting out eleven six a and dropped in here. And the other thing about this, and this is bigger picture, the other thing about this is they get dropped into Region One, which again, Central Texas, they can get put kind of wherever they want to get dropped into Region One, which is with all due respect, obviously with Alito and Denton Ryan looming, I think the weakest of the four regions. Uh, overall, on balance, uh, you know, you're t- talking about an El Paso district. You're talking about a West Texas district, uh, you know, with uh, Abilene, the Amarillo schools, Lubbock schools. Uh, you know, for them, uh, 
I think that this was a really uh, a really savvy draw for them. And I think that they've got to feel really good about their spot, not only to make the playoff, these clean schools, not only to make the playoffs, uh, but also to make a little bit of a run. Because, uh, like, yes, you want to avoid Ryan and Alito as long as possible. But if you can get that right kind of draw, then suddenly you could be talking about a two, three-round playoff, uh, playoff uh, push and, and feeling really good about your season. Greg, what do you guys got going on uh, as far as uh, the uh... – uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Yeah, you know, obviously last week was nuts. We've uh, we've caught our breath now, and and we're going to kind of continue to sift through this data and see what we can see. And then, believe it or not, uh, on on Thursday we have a meeting to start talking about putting together the 2022 summer edition <laughs> That's of awesome. the magazine. So so I get about I get got like a weekend, and now I get to to get back to work. So yeah, it's it's, it's never stops, but we got our daily live show on texasfootball.com. We're talking football every day. And so if you need your little football fix in the off season, uh, we're your place. In July, be here before we know it. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> come on, man. Like I, I got to put together a 400 page magazine. I haven't even started on it yet. Uh, come on. Just, why don't you just say, you know, July seems a long way away. Yeah, and but it doesn't. Plenty of time. It's plenty of runway between now and then. Greg, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, take care, boys. Have a great day. That is Greg Tepper from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine.